Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com It's a brand new year, so make a brand new you by joining the SRF Resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ProWrestlingTees.com Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talents worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and enjoy your 20% discount for the first five days of the new year and support indie wrestling today. GetAcreGold.com the online subscription service that delivers gold discreetly to your front door. Grow your gold stash using the affiliate link getacregold.com backslash horseman to start your subscription. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at get underscore acre and tell them the Hami Media Group sent you for an opportunity to win a free gold bar. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Thursday, January 9th, 2020, and you are tuned into HTM Sports right here, presented by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com and hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV, Rick. Welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me! It's that auto of to be Rick Pickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. You know, someone said something to me earlier today. I saw a comment somewhere like, this was a, a slow week in sports. Man, I, no way. I mean, we've got excitement all across the board here coming from every league. we got a hell of a lot to run through today. Yeah, there's an awful lot going on, whether it be the coaching hires, whether it's getting ready for the divisional round. Uh, the NBA is, of course, in full swing. We've got some XFL to talk about today. Hell, we even got some baseball to talk about today. But Huckleberry, we got to start with the NFL coaching shakeup, as there's been a whole bunch of coaches hired and one team that's still looking for theirs. Let's start with the New York football giants. They go out and they hire Joe Judge. Yeah, Joe Judge. My initial response was, who the fuck is Joe Judge? Well, come to find out, he is the, or was, the special teams coordinator as well as the wide receiver coach for the New England Patriots. Yeah, the wide receiver coach of the worst wide receiver core in the league is now the head coach of the New York football Giants. Huckleberry, we're also hearing that they are going to interview Jason Garrett for their offensive coordinator position. Um, So many different ways to look at this thing. I guess we'll start off, Huckleberry, did you have any idea who in the hell Joe Judge was? Uh, vaguely, because I, I had heard his name kind of being mentioned. Uh, even last year, there were some rumblings that you know that he was looking to make that jump, uh, and there was talk of you know potential candidates, people that might show some interest here. Obviously, you know anybody tied into that Patriot family, they're going to get you know serious consideration. Uh, now we've seen in the past that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to equate towards a success. Uh, as it tends often to really go sour for those individuals once they leave the system. Uh, but again, you know, you're waiting to to hit that that one home run. You know, you're looking for that gem in the rough there that, that's going to elevate, you know, your program and all that. But I think this, you know, looking at the league in itself, 
I wanted to ask you about this. What really got me is we're seeing this move more and more where they're kind of skipping that coordinator's position and going from a position coach. You know, he was the special teams coordinator, correct? Correct. Uh, obviously, obviously not on the same you know level as a, an offensive or defensive coordinator. But well, in in Joe Judge's defense, uh, all indications are he was being groomed to be the next offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots under the assumption that Josh McDaniels is going to be leaving. Right. And, you know, that opens up, you know, even more speculation. What is, you know, what is going on in New England? I know I think we're going to touch on this here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, it, was there something there? Is there something inside that organization that said, okay, this position is not going to be here for me. I need to take this to make this move. I'm going to throw my name out there. Uh, and this obviously came a, maybe much sooner than than many expected. It almost seemed like a panic hire to me. I mean, clearly, we're going to talk about Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about Ron Rivera going to the Redskins. Huckleberry, all indications are the Giants really wanted to hire Matt Rule, who has now been signed by the Carolina Panthers. Does this strike you as a panic move for the New York Giants? Well, I, do, I want to ask you here, what, what would be the need for the panic? Uh, I understand the marketplace. Uh, you know, they are such a... Uh, a hot franchise spotlight on them, marquee New York baby. But it, you know, even inside their own market, it's not like everybody's just you know lighting up the town. And even inside the AFC East or the NFC East, I mean, it's not like you're being left behind here. Well, is it one of those things where it was like, okay, Philly has their coach, the Cowboys hire their coach, the Redskins have their coach, we better get our coach, and we better get him right now. You know, in this market right now, I mean, there was some, there's some, there's a lot of jobs out there. I don't want to say they're high profile or in demand, but there was quite a few opportunities available. But on the other side of that, I think this was probably the least uh, attractive class of candidates that we had seen with these big names, you know, or for these spots. Yeah, well, and I wonder how much of that is just perception, too. When we're hearing names like Lincoln Riley tossed around, we're hearing names like Urban Meyer tossed around, and it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be a crazy coaching class. And then you end up with guys like Matt Rule and Joe Judge. Yeah, obviously, you're, you're exactly right there, Jarha. You you kind of you entertain the idea of these big blockbuster names, uh, and anybody then that's going to kind of fill in that second tier is going to be a, a bit of a disappointment, I guess. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, let's talk about the Panthers. They hire Matt Rule. Uh, Matt Rule coming to us from Baylor. And Huckleberry, this one really, really strikes me. Uh, because when I think of Baylor football and, and everything that they have been over the course of the last five to ten years or so, um, of course, Rule has not been there that entire time. But we talked about Big 12 football and how it's it's fast and it's high-octane offense. And now he's going to become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah, they have Christian McCaffrey. That could be an absolute nightmare for other teams. What do you think of the Baylor head coach, Matt Rule, making his way to Carolina? Well, you know, absolutely what they're going for here is that high power, that Big 12 style of football they want excitement they want you know those home runs those big impact plays and you know hopefully they found their man that's going to be able to take that college system and make that transfer to the nfl for them do you think it'll work though i mean we saw chip kelly try this in philadelphia and it was an absolute miserable failure well and you know he's going to need time and i don't think you know that the in philadelphia they they weren't that patient 
because it takes a whole flip in your personnel. You look at some of the stats here with with the Panthers. I mean, they are absolutely abysmal. You know, one of the worst offenses in the league across the board. Uh, so they're going to have to completely blow this thing up, or maybe they feel that they do have the tools in house. They just had the wrong, you know, they had the, the the wrong driver, you know, leading the bus. Well, I guess the big the biggest question going on in Carolina is who's going to be the quarterback. Is it going to be Cam Newton? Are they going to draft somebody and bring them in? I, I have no idea what they're going to do in Carolina. Which is going to be a very, which makes this a very interesting draft. You know, so many teams out there that we speculate in that in that must get quarterback spot. Uh, do they come in here with this new philosophy? You think that high that high eye power, that impact, that just wowing offense that's built around Cam Newton? But are you going to get that on a consistent basis with him? Are we going? Are we just going to see these flashes? Does he still have enough in the tank this far into his career to hold a position like that? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Carolina's definitely one of the more interesting teams to watch right now, even if I don't think they're going to be very good. Speaking of not very good, let's talk about Mike McCarthy. Uh, Mike McCarthy, now the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, bringing in linebackers coach from New Orleans, Mike Nolan, to be the defensive coordinator. It does sound like Kellen Moore is going to remain on as the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Huckleberry, this hire to me is just, I don't understand it. Because we went from Coach Clapp, Jason Garrett, the guy who was not a motivator in any way, shape, or form, and they actually went and they found somebody that's even more boring than Jason Garrett. Well, I wouldn't say you know necessarily boring, but I think we are going to see a drastic style in coaching here. You know, the other day I jokingly sent you a photo. I said this is a flashback to the great Landry, Coach Landry. Uh, you, you got a hard nosed guy here where Garrett seemed to be almost like maybe one you know of the boys. Instead of that true hard-nosed leader, that's absolutely the direction that we're going to get here with McCarthy. Yeah, I, I'm just, as a Green Bay Packers fan, I watched Mike McCarthy for 13 years. And outside of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, I just I didn't see anything high-powered from that offense. Um, I think one of the most interesting stats about Mike McCarthy is over his 13 years, he never had one year where he finished in the top 10 of rushing attempts for the Green Bay Packers, that's going to have to change with Zeke because we all know that unless Zeke goes crazy, Dak is just not putting up wins. Well, you absolutely, you know, in those cases, though, you play to your strengths. And as you just said, Jargo, who wants the star power? You know, when you're going to hitch the wagon to your horse, it's at that quarterback position in Green Bay. Now, here in Dallas, Big D, we've been talking about since we've been doing this show well before we've even started air, you know, going on the air with it. We've had conversations the formula is very simple in Dallas. You know, you find success when you run, and that opens up everything else for you. Yep, absolutely. I, I do say I do want to point out though. I, I think it. I, I had to chuckle a little bit that he agreed that they are going to to retain their offensive coordinator when essentially that was the deal breaker last year in Cleveland. Yeah. That is rather ironic, isn't it? Of course, I guess you take more shit from Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys than you would take from the Cleveland Browns. I, I just think it's I think it speaks to the the quality of Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, there <laughs> or is lack there or or lack thereof. I guess my question is what happens now with Dak Prescott bringing in a brand new system basically under Mike McCarthy, they're going to be much more of a, a West Coast kind of offense. Do you is this like the get out of jail free card for Jerry Jones? Is this permission to franchise tag Dak for a year and just see how this works out and 
well, then we'll decide if we're going to pay you or not. Absolutely. And you know, that's got to be the play here at hand, right? You would have to think. Uh, you know, we, we need to see if you can fit this system. We still have faith in you. So much faith that we're going to apply this tag to you. We want you to be here, but we'll negotiate later. Let's see how you can handle yourself in this system. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that entire thing works out. Uh, let's talk about the Redskins. Uh, of course, a couple of weeks ago, they hired Ron Rivera, and now Ron Rivera is bringing in Scott Turner to be his offensive coordinator. Scott Turner, the son of of Norv Turner, one of the greatest offensive minds of our generation, even though he wasn't very good as a head coach. He didn't win a whole lot of playoff games, but I was always a big fan of Norv Turner. Well, what about you, Huckleberry? You know, the innovation, you're right, just one of those great, pure, you know, offensive minds, uh, definitely of our generation that we've seen in our time watching the NFL. I just never could make the, you know, it's all about situation and timing. When you make that move to the head coaching spot and you wear so many different hats there, but if you can focus in, in a coordinator spot, uh, and hopefully he's been able to pass that along and all that knowledge and that passion and that innovation, you know, on down the line. Yeah. The pedigree is absolutely there. So I guess now the question is what's left for the Cleveland Browns. Who's out there for the Cleveland Browns to even hire? Three, this is the, you know, in so, and kind of just sit back. You, you feel sorry. I feel sorry since moving up for him in my heart towards them because of the passion for them and the drive and the desire. But this, once again, doesn't this just sum up the Cleveland Browns? I mean, you would think that head coaches would be salivating over that job looking at that roster, right? I, You look at this roster. There was a comparison made out there. You know, when you're, you're coming into a position, even if you're like an urban mind, and you want to go into a, a job that's giving you the best possible chance to succeed. You don't want to rebuild all this stuff, especially because it's so different from building in college in the NFL. You want you want all the parts there. You want to be given the keys to a fancy, sexy new automobile. You have that in Dallas. I don't necessarily know if you have that in Cleveland. Yeah, you've got you know some star power across the board in these specialty spots, but the rest of that roster, I mean, we're still talking about second, third stringers anywhere else. And then also... And, Sure, you sure you've got Jerry's world down there and everything that's going to be crazy. The circus around it, but you, you can embrace that there in Cleveland. You you kind you just have a mess. If you listen to hitting the playoffs with myself and Stevie Richards, which came out earlier this week, we we talked quite a bit about the Cleveland Browns and their coaching search. And Huckleberry, I don't know. Perhaps we're just completely off base here. I keep hearing about Josh McDaniels as the potential new head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Is there any chance that you guys end up with Belichick instead? A, a return home? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the Patriots here in a second. We know about the Tom Brady situation. We know about the Josh McDaniels situation. We know about the Bill Belichick situation. Would it surprise anybody if Josh McDaniels becomes the new head coach of the New England Patriots, Tom Brady decides he wants to stay in New England, and Belichick is actually the one that leaves? What's the biggest blemish on Belichick's record? His time in Cleveland. Could you see this being something that he wants to to right a wrong, a major wrong in his career? Uh, think about this. Do you want to, you know... We can argue all day about the greatest coaches of all time. And would that elevate Belichick to that position if he was somehow able to go there and actually turn the Cleveland Browns around? In a weird way, it kind of reminds me of this Vince McMahon XFL, you know, reclamation project as well. Well, and let's also forget, you know, Browns are also right. They haven't hired a general manager yet as well. Right. 
Yeah. I, 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 I mean, is, is that a pitch to somebody? Hey, we'll give you both these spots. Yeah, it's, it's just a matter of is that enough, especially for somebody like the hoodie? Um, other candidates out there, Eric Bieniemy. I know that you and I talked about that one off air last night. I think that would be a good fit for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think Josh McDaniels is a very good fit. Do you? you know, I have to agree with you there. There's something there. I don't know exactly what it is. It's just one of those pairings that you just don't, you couldn't really picture together. Yeah. I mean, I, I have an easier time picturing Belichick and Baker than I do Josh McDaniels and Baker. It just doesn't seem like a very good fit. It, it, without, without question though. I mean, it's, it's, we're talking about pressure. Now this is on the Cleveland Browns. It's all eyes on them. You are the only one at the dance without a partner. Is there a general consensus of if we can get him, that's the guy we want going on in Cleveland? You know, there's still so many high hopes of this Urban Meyer talk. And again, you know, it comes into play. You've got both of those positions available. Is that a sexy enough pitch to pull somebody in? If you're Urban Meyer, do you put your legacy on the line to go to Cleveland? That's your that's your tough pitch. There. I mean, he's so beloved in Ohio. He really can do no wrong. Yeah, especially uh, in Ohio. I mean, it, it would be hard if it was if we were talking about the Miami Dolphins job, let alone in Ohio. Well, I think it, were you kind of seeing that as a negative jargon? I think that would be the positive. They're going to give him the pass there because he's he's given so much to the state in football. They're just outside of you know he started here. He's from here. Uh, you know, even going away for a little while, if it was out in Utah, Florida, whatever, when he came back here, gave to the Buckeyes, you know, who are still a dominant program that he, you know, just a few years removed from. I think there would be that leeway that they would give him, you know, a pass on something here. And it really comes down to how close are the Cleveland Browns? As we talked about, you know, they've got that star power. Defense showed bright spots last year at certain times. They just could, they didn't have the longevity in them, but they have certainly, they have got so many issues on that offensive line. Could they flip? Is I would say within two years that would be his time span there. Eric Bieniemy, that's the guy that I think has has got to be the number one candidate for that Cleveland Browns job. Well, I sure as hell, uh, old Rooney rules hoping for. <laughs> yeah, the Rooney rule is just not working out so well this year. Bunch of old white guys. Uh, well, you know, it's outside of that, and I, I've seen so many people trying to to point towards the Rooney rule and, and mock it in certain ways. Well, it's a joke. Yeah, it, it, it's always been a joke. It, it's been, yeah, from the get-go. Uh, when you're handcuffing, you know, these teams, it's just you, you, you know, forcing them on them. You have to, you know, hire, you know at least interview certain candidates, uh, minority candidates and all that. You and I were talking the other day off air, you know, to be, you know, what do you think that those are even like? To yeah. be a fly on the wall in one of those. We were talking about because it seems like Marvin Lewis was making the rounds. Yep. Like he was the one responsible just for filling the quota. Yep. Which makes it even odder to me that Bianami hasn't gotten interviews yet. I still think Marvin Lewis would be a tremendous coach anywhere. Uh, I don't know if he really has that head coach uh, will in him still. Uh, I think that he's probably got some other pastures are going to be much easier and financially a bigger payoffs for him. Uh, but, you know, so many people, especially here in Cincinnati, when when they had heard that the Cowboys had interviewed him, and they were they would start mocking and laughing. Yeah. Marvin Lewis did a hell of a lot for this organization. The Cincinnati Bengals, one of the worst franchises in this league's history, with a very difficult owner. And we're not talking outlandish, over the top. 
like Jerry Jones, we are talking about a stubborn old guy that doesn't want to bend in any way, spend any money, create an environment that is desirable, that becomes a desirable destination for free agents, for anybody. And Marvin Lewis was able to accomplish more with lesser players and lesser team than anybody I've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree, unless you're going to talk about Belichick, because that roster is just awful. Let's talk about the Patriots. Patriots, they go down to the Tennessee Titans. Huckleberry, I, I can't even take very much satisfaction in the fact that I absolutely called the hell out of this. I said that Derrick Henry was going to run all over that New England defense and end the empire, and that's exactly what happened. Derrick Henry, 34 carries for 182 yards, one touchdown. Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball 15 times, 8 of 15 for 72 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Who would have thought in 2019 that you could go 8 of 15 for 72 yards and win a game in Foxborough, Massachusetts? Brady goes 20 of 37 for 209 yards. Of those 20 receptions, eight different receivers. Of course, Brady did have that one INT right at the end of the game. Huckleberry, is this the end of the dynasty? Is this the end of the New England Patriots? Hey, I, I love everybody coming out of the woodwork on this thing. The, the memes and blowing up this, you know, this is it. They have finally fallen. Come on, can, can you have a down? Can't you, can't you stumble a little bit? This team still, as you were talking about, Jargo, this was probably one of the worst rosters that we have seen from the Patriots in over the last, you know, since this dynasty began. No playmakers. One of the worst. And still, look where they ended up. Yep. They were the number three seed in the AFC. Uh, a devastating final week loss moved them into that three seed. Yep. Okay, it, it was a rough go. It was a rough go of things. It was a rough go of things, but you still got to understand these are the Patriots. They are going to bounce back. You know, I, I took to social media and I was defending, uh, defending Tom Brady here. People are just coming at me left and right at this thing. It's like, come on, let's let's recognize something here. Why are you going to hate on greatness? I mean, this guy has given so much to the league, so many incredible moments, and yes, now he now he stumbled here. He's down. Why is our society? Why do we continue to bash success and hate on those? Hey, on the flip side is. No one's really congratulating the Tennessee Titans for going after ground and pound, quarter, a responsible quarterback play. They went out there and played their asses off. They won this game. The Patriots did not lose it. Mike Vrabel just playing out coach Bill Belichick. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, hell, they lost like a whole two minutes worth of clock just because Vrabel was sitting there playing games with Belichick, the same games that Belichick likes to play with people. Belichick got out Belichicked. The Tennessee Titans absolutely won this game. The Patriots didn't lose it. So can, can we at least can we show some pride, some some praise for their success instead of just worrying about this unwarranted hate towards New England? Yeah, we're going to talk about that kind of with the Saints as well. Uh, first, let's talk about the Texans. Texans hold off the Bills 22 to 19 in overtime. The magician Deshaun Watson 20 of 25, 247 yards, including one of the most ridiculous plays that you will see in the history of the NFL. How he stayed on his feet there at the end of the game, I just do not understand. He was sacked seven times for a total of 28 yards. He also had 14 carries for 55 yards. That's 21 hits that Deshaun Watson doesn't necessarily need to take. Huckleberry, what do you make of Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans at this point? 
I'll tell you what's what's very eerie about about that play that you're setting up there that you were describing. Did you see that where they did the side by side show going back to the game against Alabama in his college days? Mm-hmm. The Clemson that was, it yep. was yes, it was like identical to it. Uh, you're absolutely absolutely jargon. Hey, you sent me a message right when the play happened. That it's the first games of the 2020, and we might have seen the play of the year. Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know, again here, the Bills on the road, they had a tremendous season. You know, applaud their efforts. They are one of those breakthrough teams. Now, can they maintain that? Because they're going to have a, a tougher schedule next year. Yep. As days improve there. Uh, they're still eyeing that prize. You know, the New England Patriots in the in the East. I, I kept kind of describing the Bills this year as, you know, trying to break out of that mid-card. And each and every time, they just seem to fall a little short, but a tremendous season for them. Great talent. Hey, they go down to go down to Houston here. You were doubting it. You thought the Bills were going to get this one, and this was an exciting game. It was almost going to happen, but I think it was the experience factor. Yeah, for two and a half quarters, I looked like a freaking genius, and then all <laughs> yeah, of a sudden, I think, I think it was the experience. You know, Houston's been here. They've been in this spot. They regularly find themselves in the playoffs, in tough situations, be it at home or on the road, and it's it's that credibility that lends to you. It's being there, having done that, and you don't buckle under that pressure. DeAndre Hopkins has six receptions for 90 yards on eight targets, which is just astonishing considering I don't think he had more than two targets in the entire first half. We also saw the return of J.J. Watt. That guy is absolutely insane. Yeah, he tears a pectoral muscle, has surgery on it. The next day, he's like, huh, I feel pretty good. Gets a hold of his doctor, and he's like, hey, if we make the playoffs, is there any chance I can come back? And the doctor's like, well... Worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to tear it again. So J.J. Watt's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to play. Didn't put up a whole lot of big stats, but I tell you what, he was given Josh Allen absolute fits all day long. Well, you know, outside of – you don't need absolute – you know, when you're looking – you don't need all the sacks and the tackles. It's about a, just being a game changer by your presence on the field yep. and how you're directing the offense of change their, their mindset, their game plan absolutely shifted everything for this defense and just the energy that he brings to this team, the energy he brings to it, the game, you you can just tell the vibe from this guy. He's an absolute freak and one of the most positive things that you're going to find about the NFL. Thank God that they traded Jadavion Clowney, having the two of those guys, just not fair. Josh Allen goes 24 of 46 for 264 yards. He also has nine carries for 92 yards. Oh, yeah, and at one point, he was leading the team in receiving yards as well, as he has one reception for 16 yards and a touchdown. Rick, I, I really like Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen when he was at the University of Wyoming. But, you know, when you're ahead and you dominate the game for two and a half quarters and your quarterback throws the ball 46 times, I got to question the coaching, too. Like, why aren't you just pounding the rock and eating some time? Well, I, you go look at that, though. I think they were having trouble getting that running game started. So they were just trying to rely on what they could to keep moving the ball. It's just crazy to me. Your, your quarterback is averaging 9.2 yards a carry, you know, just, just absolutely insane. Let's talk about the Saints, or should I call them the Aints? Uh, last week I said there was absolutely no chance in hell that the Minnesota Vikings were going to go down to the Superdome and beat the Saints, and, and then they did it. 26-20 to 20 in overtime. Huckleberry, we'll start with the last play of the game. Kyle Rudolph catches the, the pass from Kurt Cousins. Was that thing a pass interference? I mean, it was full extension of the arm. He pushes the DB out of the way, makes a catch. 
What do you think? Was it a push off? Was it pass interference? I guess, you know, here we go again with the Saints, right? Yeah. And a pass interference call in the postseason. And I was I was with you, Jargo. I agreed with you one hundred percent as we were setting this thing up. Didn't think that the the Minnesota Vikings had a snowball's chance in hell to go down to Bourbon Street and pull off, I guess, you know, one of in my mind, you know, one of the upsets of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in in that moment. Such a great game. Uh, and I, I don't want to reflect on just that call there. I mean, these guys battled back and forth. This was a heavyweight haymaker knockout brawl. And in the end, the Minnesota Vikings did enough to hang in there and win this game. Uh, you, you've got some other, you know, what was incredible to me. I know he had missed a handful of games there in the season here, but still played the majority of them. Still wows me. That fumble by Breeze in this game was his first of the year. Yeah. Yeah. 26 and 33, one touchdown, one interception, one fumble. Rick, there's all this talk about Tom Brady in New England. And is this the end of the empire in New England? Is this the end of Drew Brees in New Orleans? Drew Brees is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Of course, so is Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Brees now eight and eight in the playoffs for his career. Is it time to move off of a 41 year old Drew Brees in New Orleans? You know, what a. I, I I don't envy anyone that has to be in a position to make this call. Oh, I agree. Obviously, with that. obviously with Bridgewater, you had tremendous success in the limited time that you had him, or you know that you asked him to carry this team for you, and he did a tremendous job. But actually, we are talking about one of the all-time legends, Andrew Brees. I'm surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, and him and Brady's were you know those are the big questions. You know where are they going? Should these teams move on? Do they have what's left in the tank? I mean, these two are right now are still neck and neck for career records. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy the career that Drew Brees has had. I was amazed that he was only eight and eight in the playoffs. Does that surprise you? No, I, I think it. You know, it speaks to how tough a postseason is. You know, to just to even be able to get there and win one championship, I, I think it just shows. You know, if you get into the playoffs, I mean, you're guaranteed. Unless you win the Super Bowl, you're guaranteed a loss each time, right? Yep, exactly. I mean, it just speaks to how difficult it is to get in there and and win there. Kirk Cousins goes 19 of 31 for 242 yards and a touchdown. But to me, the biggest story for the Minnesota Vikings was Dalvin Cook. 28 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. But more importantly, they kept the ball out of Drew Brees' hands. Time of possession, Minnesota, 36 minutes and 56 seconds. New Orleans, 27 minutes and 24 seconds. Drew Brees can't beat you if he doesn't have the ball. Well, yeah, we're talking about an all-time legend. How do you how do you prevent him from beating you? Yep. Gets a game of keep away. Absolutely. The Seahawks, they put the Eagles out of their misery, 17-9. Jadavion Clowney takes out Carson Wentz on the second possession of the game. Josh McGowan comes in, 18-24 for 174 yards, which, hey, man, if you got to play Josh McNown, those are the stats that you want to see. I, I, I felt really bad for Philadelphia. Like They overcome all these injuries all season, but the one injury that they couldn't overtake was Carson Wentz. It, it absolutely. You know, I... I you go in there, your heart had to go out to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it, it, we, we've sat regular and we look at that, the NFC East and we joke about it. But this team, it, they were times they were playing with a practice team, not even knowing who was going to be suiting up week to week. And they got hot down the end here. They were playing with heart. They had desire. And Wentz, 
Man, I, I thought he was going to be, he had a chance to will them to a win here in this game. It would have been huge for the city of brotherly love. It was not meant to be. Uh, you talk about uh, ultimate heartbreak. I imagine, you know, going back, I'll make a comparison. So many years ago, as we were talking about Coach Marvin Lewis, and everybody knows, you know, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and for many, many years, a season ticket holder, when, when Carson went down. And I imagine the scene and the feeling in that stadium was very similar. It was, it turned in from one of the most exciting environments I'd ever been in. The Cincinnati Bengals were absolutely at the top of their game, the pinnacle of the league. It was our year to go to the Super Bowl. And then when Carson laid there on the field and you realized something wasn't right, I mean, it, it, it turned into like a funeral setting. Yeah, yeah, and you just you knew you were done, and it didn't help that those damn bastard Steelers were on the team on the side on the other sideline. I remember that experience with Aaron Rodgers a couple back years back as well. Uh, let's talk about Russell Wilson. I, I still think Russell Wilson should be the MVP of the league, even though he's not going to win it. It's going to be Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson goes 18 of 30, 325 yards, one touchdown, nine carries for 45 yards. The rest of the Seattle Seahawks. 17 carries for 19 yards. 17 carries for 19 yards. Beast mode. Yeah, everybody was so happy Marshawn Lynch was back. Six carries for seven yards. This was all about Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, seven receptions, 160 yards, one touchdown. This was just the absolute will of Russell Wilson. How good is that team without Russell Wilson? I bet you they're they like Cincinnati Bengals bad. They win like one or two games. Let's not forget the Bengals almost beat them week one. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This this has been the story with the Seahawks all year. Uh, they are flying so high because of the play of Russell Wilson. Now, I, I, I love that. I, I'm, and I'm going to be interested when you guys kind of do your wrap up with Stevie there. Maybe you guys can maybe give out your awards. You know, who should win these things? Because I know you and I, we have very different opinions when we met, when we're measuring up a league MVP. Yeah. Uh, you look at the importance to the team. I look at the importance to the overall league and the game. So I think that goes to Jackson, but that's, and he's a sexier pick. You know, it, he brings more attention to things just because, and that's not a knock on Russell Wilson's because he's been there for so long and so good for so long, just doing what he does. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Lamar Jackson, but you put right. RG3 as the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think that's still a playoff team. I don't think they're as dominant as they are with Lamar Jackson, but I think they're still a playoff team. You take Russell Wilson off of the Seattle Seahawks, they're not winning more than two or three games. Yeah, but, but I'm looking at a league MVP. I'm saying you take Jackson out of that equation. Uh, we don't have that excitement. You know, he's provided so much excitement just around the league and drawing attention, you know, from highlights and all of that. Yeah. No. Oh, that. I'm, a, I'm a grander picture guy here, Jugger. Come on. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's take a look at the divisional round this weekend. Vikings at 49ers going to kick things off. 435 on NBC. San Francisco favored by seven. Huckleberry, we didn't give the Vikings any chance last week. I give them less of a chance this week because I don't think Dalvin Cook is going to go in there and run all over that 49ers defense. I think Nick Bosa is just going to knock him into next week. Yeah, we're talking about a different animal that's going to be lining up against them here. Uh, but hey, I don't want to count them out like we did last week. Uh, if, if they're going to do this thing, they're going to have to do it on the road, right? Yep. Uh, so they got a, they got a road warrior up, but hey, there there is something special in San Francisco going on here, and you got to believe it's been so long for them. Uh, they're hungry to get back to to playoff football and get into some action here. And 
We're, we're talking about a team that's created buzz that, that is wild the masses. And that's absolutely the 49ers. Titans are going to take on the Ravens in the nightcap, 8-15 on CBS. Baltimore favored by 10 in this game. Rick, can the Titans go into Baltimore and just run the ball down their freaking throats like they did last week? I, I just I don't see Derrick Henry going in and doing to Baltimore what he did to New England. Uh, absolutely. They're going to have to mix it up. They're going to have to rely on Tannehill a little bit more here. Uh, this is going to fall on coaching if they're going to have a chance here. And as you, as you put over Jargo, last week they went out there and won the coaching battle. This one isn't going to be any easier, and they're going to have to come up with a, a whole new set of tricks. This Baltimore Raven team is seriously good. We only have one rematch this week between two teams that we saw play during the season, and that is Houston at Kansas City. They played on October 13th. The Texans went in, and they won that game in Kansas City 31-24. to Carlos Hyde has 26 carries, 116 yards. Watson goes 30-42 for 280 yards. And, Rick, this was one of those things where we called this. We, Detroit exposed them, and then Houston came in and embarrassed them. Time of possession for Houston, 39 minutes and 48 seconds, 20 minutes and 12 seconds for the Kansas City Chiefs. Is there any chance that Houston can go into Kansas City and replicate what they did back on October 13th? Hey, you know, this is a, they got the formula for success. I think they're going to have to duplicate that there. They're going to have to go in there. They have to stay grounded. They're going to have to stay disciplined. No big turnovers. Watch your penalties. And they could shock these, these Chiefs. I know that the Chiefs seem re-energized. They're excited to get out there and show what they can do and get matched up against Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. But they... They better not be looking past uh, Houston. I can tell you what's – I would love to be in attendance at this thing because geographically, this is going to be well-traveled, and there's not a whole lot of love lost between the you know the fans in that region. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Kansas City favored by 10 in that game. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit, especially in a playoff. And especially when Houston already beat them at Arrowhead this year. Seems very, very odd to me. Uh, the the – According to Vegas... Well, I think, you know, because they didn't have uh, Mahomes in, did they? Yeah, Mahomes played that game. Was nope. he in that game? Okay. Yep. I thought maybe he, I thought maybe that's when he was out. That was maybe the reason for the spread. Nope, that was right before Mahomes got hurt. Um, according to Vegas, the best game of the weekend is going to be the Seattle Seahawks at Green Bay. It's the Sunday night game. It goes down at 640 Eastern on Fox. Green Bay favored by four points. That's it. You get three points for being at home. So they think that the Packers, healthy with Aaron Rodgers, are basically one point better than the beat-up Seattle Seahawks. Huckleberry, Russell Wilson has never won at Lambeau Field, even though the there's a very storied history between the Seahawks and the Packers when it comes to the playoffs. But all those games took place in the greater Northwest. What do you think? Does, does my Green Bay Packers even stand a chance here? I'm absolutely I'm, – I'm going with the pack in this one. Uh, I think, you know, just like you said, you know, there's something special about being there in Lambeau. Uh, this is the marquee game of the week, and somehow your Packers just keep getting it done. This might be one of the, the, the ugliest, best teams that I've seen in a long time. I think this game ends up like 13-8. to eight. We definitely could see that. Yeah. There's a safety in there somewhere. Yep, absolutely. I just – I, I'm not buying Green Bay. I know I should be at this point. I mean, my God, we're the number two seed. I'm just, I'm just not buying them, you know. But 
if Minnesota wants to go out and beat San Francisco so that we can host the NFC Championship game at Lambeau against a team that we've already beat twice, maybe I should start believing. I'm just – and it's really that San Francisco game. When Aaron Rodgers went out to San Francisco, absolutely lays an egg on Sunday night football, I just I can't buy them in the same breath as the teams like the Baltimore Ravens, like the San Francisco 49ers, hell, even the New Orleans Saints. Somehow they just keep getting it done, though. Somehow, some way. We'll see if Rodgers has any more magic this Sunday night. That should be the play. Somehow, some way, Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, let's talk a little bit more football, Huckleberry, and I, I can't believe that this is almost here. Saturday, February 8th, the XFL season is going to launch. Are, are you hearing much buzz about the XFL out there in Ohio? Yeah, you know, people were excited. Uh, I actually, this past week, was making my rounds, talking to some of my clients, and coming up with some game plans to start pushing this thing. You know, it, you have kind of that lull there for sports and pulling people into sports bars. You know, they kind of go hand in hand. So I said, hey, let's let's have some fun with this thing. Let's see if we can get people attention and pull them in here for the XFL. So we got some things in the works there. But man, reading through now that we've got these rule changes and we know how this game's going to be structured. This is Vince McMahon 101, just overcomplicating, overbooking everything. I'm reading through this. I started to sour. Uh, on the XFL, where at once, you know, I was I was very excited and and high. I'm ready to to back this ship. A couple of rule changes from what we're used to in professional football. Uh, a couple of them I actually like, like only one foot inbounds required for a catch. Basically, the college rule. I can get behind that. Absolutely behind that. Uh, we're gonna have a running game clock that will not stop for an incomplete pass or out of bounds until we're within the final two minutes of each half. So basically what we're going to do is they're adopting the soccer version of clock management. I can even get behind that one. Yeah, I, I was with that as well. I like those things, you know, and, and I like you know, the general idea here to keep the game pace moving, to keep the, you know, keep the energy going. So people don't, you know, so we don't turn into these three and a half hour programs here, but some of these, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of, I, I like the clock, not stopping between plays or incompletions, things like that. But out of bounds, I'm not a fan of it with the out of bounds rule. Really? I, I didn't like that at all. Uh, I, I think you should. You're going to question the uh, integrity of the game and just allowing it within that two minutes. Not for me. I mean, what is this, like an amateur flag football league? I mean, you're supposed to be presenting a professional product. Yeah, no, I, I it's hard to disagree with that. I, I just like it because of the pace of the game. I think you know there's other ways that you can speed it up. I think you're gonna you're gonna add a great deal, just you know just eliminating the incomplete incompletions. Uh, you have to sell your advertising, but is there ways that you can work through things there with maybe even the picture in picture through a game? I don't think that's that big of a deal if you know if it's a, a couple plays uh, that we're missing out on where we don't have the commentary. The biggest one for me that is a turnoff is I absolutely hate this kickoff rule. Yep, that's the one that I have a real issue with as well. Here's the way that the rule reads. Kickoffs are designed to discourage touchbacks and encourage returns. The ball will be kicked off from the 30-yard line, but coverage and blocking teams will line up at the receiving team's 35 and 30-yard lines. Only the kicker and the returner can move until the ball is caught or three seconds after the ball hits the ground. 
Touchbacks will be spotted at the 35, kicks out of bounds at the 45. Players are not allowed to leave the line of scrimmage on punts until after the kick. Touchbacks or out of bounds will be spotted at the 35 or whichever or where the ball went out of bounds, whichever is more beneficial to the receiving team. So we're, we're trying to basically limit the amount of violence on a kick return, but we're going to encourage as many kick returns as we possibly can. That's what I take from the rule. And again, and now how are we going to monitor this? I mean, because you are going off of instinct, you know, football, especially on special teams, it is so high impact. It is so intense. So now, I mean, what is there like, are they going to like hit a go light that says people can move? Are they supposed to everyone in your own head? One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Well, and the other thing is they're going to have nine officials on the field for each one of these games. Like, is it just going to be one guy's job to say, go. Right. And you're talking, you want to speed up a game? Well, it's not going out of bounds that's slowing things down here. It's these damn penalties. Yeah. That everything is being over-officiated. That, we're, you know, you're seeing a yellow flag every other play here. And then you got to huddle and then instant replay. Eliminate those aspects. Don't, don't fool with the fundamentals, the basic foundation of the game. There's something simple. You want to encourage return. You want that to be a more lively part of your product. Well, okay. Then just... If there is a touchback, you only get the ball to 10 or the 15. Yeah. Rather than the Wouldn't that, Isn't that enough? Well, we get it to 20, right? Yeah. 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 So, all right, you get it at the 10-yard line. You're sure as hell going to start running out the ball a lot more. Yep, that's for sure. Um, another rule that I don't like is the extra points. Uh, you can get a one-point play if you run a play from the two-yard line. There will be a two-point play if you run a play from the five-yard line, and there will be a three-point play if you run a play from the 10-yard line. So basically, you can score nine points on a touchdown in the XFL, and basically the biggest thing there is they're trying to avoid overtimes and just make the game more thrilling. You can have a nine-point swing with just a touchdown. Rick, I don't like this at all. I'm not even a fan of the two-point conversion. Just give me a kicker, come in, and kick an extra point. Yeah, I, I can get that. And again, this is okay. I, I, I just stick with what people know, what they're familiar with. And that's going to be one of the biggest things here is trying to explain this to this new audience. People yep. tune in. You know, a lot of people, you have people over the house or you're out just, you know, at the sports bars I was talking about earlier. You're just kind of bullshit and you want familiarity. And it's okay to want to be different than the NFL. You, there's other ways you can present your product to say, you know, we are an alternative. We are something different, but don't turn into some carny sideshow. You know, some outlaw wrestling promotion type shit where you're just over gimmicking yourself out. Speaking of gimmicks, they're basically adopting the NHL rules of a shootout when it comes to overtime. Each team is going to get five single play possessions from the five yard line. After five possessions, it'll go to rotating possessions until there is a winner. It's going to be like a straight NHL shootout in the playoffs. So, I mean, you get. No matter what, you get five. Yep. Uh, no matter you what, you get five at- plays, and then if you're tied after those five plays, then it just goes to an alternating whoever scores and keeps the other team out. That I kind of like. It's going to be interesting to see how all this works. Of course, well, just you know, going back to the, the previous the previous XFL, that was a lot of the problem is that they just tried to overcomplicate this stuff. 
I, I firmly support one set of rules for the NCAA, for the NFL, and for the XFL. I don't even like the difference in the rules between the NCAA and the NFL. It's hard enough to keep things straight. Now we're going to have to remember three sets of rules. Well, we'll see how long we have to remember them. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, let's talk about the college football playoff. That's going down on Monday. It's going to run against uh, Monday Night Raw, and uh, the Raw rating is going to absolutely stink next week. Clemson versus LSU in New Orleans. Huckleberry, I have been on the LSU train since very, very early on in this season. I was telling you that I thought they were the best team in the country, and now I find myself wavering a little bit. Like, How do I bet against Clemson in this game when all Trevor Lawrence does is win? Well, absolutely. Uh, you got a, a total winner. When you're when you're just bred to win, I mean, you're going to pull you you pull out amazing things. And absolutely, absolutely, was got. And as I said last week, you know, Clemson they continually find themselves in this position where they are there's just doubt after doubt after doubt, and they just knock it out. And they show up, they throw it down. This is I, I'm expecting this to be one hell of an epic encounter between these two. I, I expect it's going to be one of two things. Clemson is either going to win a close game or LSU is going to blow them out. And this is one of those two. I could see LSU getting that that quick jump, coming out on fire, but don't count out them Tigers because they will they'll claw their way back into a game. Yeah, ask your Buckeyes all about that, right? Oh yeah, I put that on a T for you. <laughs> uh, I also want to talk about Tua. Uh, Tua has declared for the NFL draft. He will not be returning to Alabama next season, which is clearly the right thing to do, at least in my mind's eye. Huckleberry, how far down the line does Tua fall? Because Tua is not going to play next year. Absolutely. But you know what? Uh, someone's going to take that that chance with him. And then I agree with you 100% here. You know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, go back next year, get your stock back up there so you can get that. No, you get your money now. Yeah. Get that guaranteed. Get that off the table. And go into this with a positive for Tua. I mean, he... You know, we're we're regularly been having this conversation. Poor Burrow is going to end up as a Cincinnati Bengal in all likelihood. And how long is his career going to last? Is he going to be done after that rookie deal? Is he going to have the opportunity to get that big dollar one in that second that second go around of contract negotiations? Tua could end up somewhere very nice, sit for a year, learn a system, learn the NFL, learn how to prepare all of those strategies where he doesn't feel the pressure day to day of performing on the field. This could be a tremendous learning experience for him and great growth. And ultimately, if he can come back healthy, workout is the best possible situation. I think he ends up in Miami. Any predictions for you where Tua ends up? Man, if I was him and I'm sitting there waiting, you know you're going to fall. And I would feel so disappointed <laughs> uh, to finally get picked by the Miami Dolphins. There, I think that franchise is still so far away. Uh, it's but you are right. I mean, they are looking to sell something there. They're looking to energize that that fan base where they're up against so much uh, SEC football. I mean, hell, you're at South Beach. Yeah, I mean, you're, if up, you're, you're up against Miami. Right. You're just up against the nightlife, the beach, you know, the, the atmosphere. If they're not happening, people, they don't care to tune out. It's easily done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could see something. You know, they want somebody that's going to be that sexy pick that's going to attract that fan base, going to get people excited. But when we're talking falling like this, man, anything could happen. He could end up anywhere because we're looking right now. There is, what, maybe a dozen teams that would be interested in investing in a quarterback this, this draft? Yeah, absolutely. And the one that I'm really watching is Carolina. 
I'm curious what in the world Carolina ends up doing at their quarterback position. Let's uh, let's talk about a bunch of cheaters, a bunch of dirt bags, a bunch of slime balls. The same thing I've been telling you for years. The Boston Red Sox added to the list of Major League Baseball cheaters. According to a Tuesday report from The Athletic, Boston players were going into the replay room to decipher their opponent's sign sequences. Then they would go back to the dugout, relay the information, and someone from the Red Sox dugout would then communicate with a base runner out on second base who would use random body movements to relay pitch information to the hitter. You know how this entire thing got exposed, don't you? How's that? The New England, the New England Patriots were filming the Red Sox doing this. I knew there had to be some kind of a connection there. Um, Huckleberry, this is a very, very bad look for baseball. And, and I guess here's the thing. In the last two of the three years, we have World Series champions that are now being accused of cheating. Um, of course, we also have this entire situation going on with the Houston assholes. I mean, the Houston Astros. Uh, very close, it sounds like, from the MLB deciding their discipline. The targets for the discipline are going to be employees of the team, including front office and on-field coaching personnel, but not any individual players. So it wouldn't surprise me if we end up seeing like a general manager banned for a year. It wouldn't surprise me if we end up seeing a very much like the Sean Payton situation with Bounty Gate in the NFL, where their manager is suspended for a year. What do you make of this entire cheating thing inside of Major League Baseball? You know where I'm at on this thing. Absolutely. If you're not cheating, you're not trying in baseball. It's the old lineage. I'm okay with this stuff. And I think people are just getting so upset now because we're seeing it evolve with technology. If you want to hear some about uh, technology inside of the world of sports, be sure to check out HTM Tech this week. Dropped this morning, myself and Joe and Mike sitting down talking about technology and sports. And boy, is there a lot to talk about, including what could be the death of professional sports inside of uh, the United States and the advancements in technology. I just think this is a really, really bad look when you have the last two World Series winners coming out and being accused of stealing signs and using technology to do it rather than just being, you know, the guy standing on second base trying to figure shit out. Yeah, again, our society hating success. They're gonna, we're going to tear you down here. Let's speak of HTM Tech. You know, I've been going over there, Big Joe, Money Mike there. That's, you know, that's where I've been getting my news. A lot of great con topics over there. I think I, I might have to do a, a run-in on that show. Uh, maybe we could talk about the evolution and the emergence of these uh, these sex dolls. Hey, there you go. It's a, it's a popular business, especially over in the Orient. Um, one thing that's not a popular business in the Orient right now is the NBA. That was a hell of a segue. Thanks for that one, Huckleberry. Um, Rick, we got to talk about the Lakers. Um, and more importantly, we got to talk about the Knicks. And why do the Knicks hate the Lakers so much? Bobby Portis ejected for a hit on Contavious Caldwell Pope the other night. Pope goes up for a dunk, and Bobby Portis just plain tried to take his head off. He gets tossed out of the game. And then a little bit later, we would see kind of the same thing happen with Julius Randle. He's going up. AD goes to block him, and Randle just straight jumps into the guy and knocks Davis to the floor. Lots of concern inside of Los Angeles when it comes to Anthony Davis. Turns out the MRI is negative, but he is dealing with basically a bruised ass bone. Huckleberry, I, I the Lakers won this game, but this might be the most costly win that they're going to have all year. I, I was going to say, you know, it, we were talking about you know, Wentz and how the feeling there in 
in Philadelphia. If you were Laker fans yesterday, I, there was a great deal of concern. I mean, it was a, a hold your breath. Oh, this cannot be happening right now. But you're asking, you know, what's what's up with New York there? Really think about it here, Jarga. I mean, you live in New York and you suck. The Lakers live in L.A. and are one of the best in the league. You don't see the jealousy issue? Well, but I mean, it's not like these two teams have heat. I mean, they haven't had heat with each other for 20 years. Half these guys weren't even alive the last time that the Knicks and the Lakers had heat against one another. Just uh, absolutely. very out of place. I, I, think it's, I just think it's, you know, they have to live in dreary loser New York. And I, I don't think much highly, you know, very highly of L.A. anyway. But uh, if, if I'm going to be surrounded by a bunch of uh, snowflakes, leftists, just liberal libtards, uh, I'd, I'd rather be in L.A., right? Oh, yeah. At least the weather doesn't suck. And at least they beat the Knicks by 30 points. That was absolutely embarrassing. Also embarrassing, our last topic of the week comes to us from Cleveland, Ohio. Huckleberry, what the hell's going on with Kevin Love? We have a petulant child, Kevin Love. He's out there doing his best Zack Sabre Jr. impression on the basketball floor. What the hell is going on? Well, the good thing is that no one's watching. There is that. There is that. I mean, Kevin Love's got to be done in Cleveland, right? I know he came out and he issued an apology, and all we, we've heard all this talk about trade rumors and whatnot. It's just some getting somebody to actually invest in that contract, which is just absolutely absurd. What Cleveland paid Kevin Love, but Kevin Love's got to get the hell out of Cleveland. Yeah, and uh, we're talking about uh, hot in Cleveland. It is heating up for Kevin Love, and it, it's about time to to set sail. Uh, head elsewhere. But as you said, Jarga, I mean, who right now is going to make that investment? Who is going to make that move? I know a couple of weeks back we had talked about even teams that would be a, a potential fit where he could help them out to push them forward. We were kind of struggling at, th- at that point. But then you add on this this financial responsibility that comes along with it, and they are going to have a hell of a time moving him. I still think he ends up in Golden State. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that seems like such a Golden State move to bring in Kevin Love. Just go ahead and eat it. Yep. The other one that I'm hearing, and I don't like this at all, Huckleberry, is the Lakers. That that They could hook up Kevin Love and LeBron James once again. Of course, that would push the Lakers well over the luxury tax. I think I told you that. But more importantly, there's a whole lot of talk out there about trading Kyle Kuzma. Why in the world would the Lakers trade Kyle Kuzma? Absolutely uh, kind of ludicrous. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember when I first told you that. I was actually, you know, I was just ribbing you. But I, it's actually coming to the rumor mill now. They're, they're talking about that. And in, in those moves that Kuzma would be on the on the go, which is absolutely insane to me. Right now, If I think it's more of the, one of those cases where you're always looking, you're always tinkering, you're always talking, just seeing what the vibe and the action is happening around the league. You're always want to be active at the table, right? But they, they don't need to be moving anything right here. They've got this core. They have got this thing set. They're going to be prepared for this playoff run. Uh, hopefully they're not overthinking it. You know, as you threw out last week, a, a tremendous stat, you know, it's the, are the Lakers as good or are they a smoke show? Because what is it? Sub subpar teams is where they've gotten now. By time we're talking now, twenty plus of their wins. Yeah, and they're like twenty and zero against sub five hundred teams at this point. You know, which but as I told you, but as I told you, that's that's okay because they're supposed to win those games. Yeah, the the much more alarming zero and two against the Clippers. That's the one that really counts, and that's the one they just have not delivered on. 
And I don't think Kevin Love helps them beat the Clippers either. Yeah. If anything, the Lakers should chip in money and get send Kevin Love to the Clippers. Yes. Yes, I like the way you're thinking, Huckleberry. We'll, th- we'll give you a, a third-round pick and like $6 million. You guys just take Kevin Love. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button and then visit the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Tomorrow night, me and Huckleberry, we're going to sit down like we normally do now. During SmackDown, we're going to record an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Got a whole bunch of New Japan stuff to talk to you about. And of course, in the meantime, you can find me across all social media platforms platforms at not jargo rbv how do the peeps the freaks and the geeks find you well you know i've been holding off here with this uh, big announcement but something i wanted to drop very excited this weekend you can find me in a big way uh, i know this thing's going to be airing on youtube ohio valley wrestling's channel you want to check that out it is the nightmare rumble and your boy the art of the beat of the beat rick vickery heading to louisville getting a tryout Mr. Al Snow is, gar- is granted me the opportunity to uh, to let these vocals unleashed at the Nightmare Rumble. Uh, not really sure what capacity. Probably going to be working some dark match stuff there, but such a, such an honor to be involved with that. And uh, going to be meeting up with our good friends down there from the Gorilla Position for the first time that Ryan and I have actually met. Very cool. Looking forward to that. Congratulations, by the way. Proud of you, Huckleberry. Uh, we will be back later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Of course, Monday, we'll be, we will be in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Going to have some Ring of Honor to talk about. Going to have a whole bunch of Ring of Honor to talk about, actually. Um, yeah, speaking, speaking of the locker room, though, I, as you mentioned that, I, I wanted to, uh, to thank so many individuals for the tremendous feedback that we got. It, it seems that our coverage for Wrestle Kingdom really hit the mark. Uh, people really seem to enjoy it. Somebody reached out and, you know, just to thank Jar, you know, Jargo, you and me for the tremendous coverage and uh, really year round that we bring from a variety of promotions, uh, but especially in New Japan. You also need Billy Ray Valentine to calm the fuck down. Guy was losing his mind on Wednesday just because Kota Ibushi didn't win both belts. Calm down, Billy Ray. It's coming. It's coming. Just, just calm down. We'll talk to you this weekend for an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Monday in the Locker Room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!